And heaven, I believe, is really engaged in this season that we're in. Uh, because uh, whether you know it or not, uh, I believe we're getting ready for the Lord. And, I, and this world cannot, but biblically, what I mean biblically, it cannot continue much further. There's so many prophecies that lined up in the Word of God that declares what we're in now and what we're experiencing. So knowing that, then I know that every step counts. Every step in your life counts and every step in this church counts. Every step counts as we move toward that end date. And in the process of it, there's, there, there's two things I want us to think about. Uh, number one is, what, what is the Lord dealing with me to do that I need to do before I go to heaven? And we all have to come up with that because one day we will stand before the Lord and we'll give an account for our life. So you have to ask. So, so this is a time and this is a season to inventory. Everybody say inventory. To inventory yourself and inventory the gifts and the callings of God that God's put in you. And I was talking to the early service this morning and I told them, you know, and two, I mean, we've got to give ourselves to growing and growing in the Word of God, growing in knowledge of the Lord. Because I would hate to get to heaven and the Lord say, well, you didn't gain what you were supposed to gain. You're in kindergarten heaven. And I would hate that because I believe God, there's certain things that God wants us to gain in this life. And so it's very important that we remain diligent because let me, the most important thing is not my issues that's going on. The most important thing is God's issues that's going on that He wants me to be involved with. And the second thing is this, because the Bible tells that right before the Lord comes that we're going to experience the greatest revival that the world has ever known. I mean, evil is building up, but I want to tell you what, there's some other things that's building up too. Though not only is evil building up, God is building up His strength and His power for our last day. And some parts of the world are already experiencing it. Some parts of the world have people pouring into the kingdom of God. Now, it hasn't reached us here in the United States yet, but Jaime believes God's going to remember us too. And so, to know that is this. You're going to be able to experience some things in your family that you've always wanted to experience and never got to enjoy. What that means, God's not going to win the world and forget about yours that you've been praying for and interceding for. Some of you have waited for years to be able to enjoy and experience Jesus with your family. And because of maybe hard-heartedness or whatever it is that, that families do, you haven't been able. But I tell you what, you get your setter set. And you get ready to experience some things during the last day. So it's just real important that we keep in step. That's why it's so important now. Uh, What we're studying, what we're going toward, what we're praying about. I tell you, life is not going to continue as it has been. You may be living same old, same old, but God's been getting ready to do some change old, change old. So God's getting ready in all of our lives to bring about the change. Every 
prophecy in the book has not failed. Every prophecy has come to pass just the same as it. And the last day prophecies are beginning to unfold across this world. Now, the time clock is always Israel. Because Israel, we consider that to be God's area, God's people. And so because of that, they become the time clock of prophecy. So as you watch what's going on in Israel, that's why the news is important. Because as you watch what's going on there, it's telling you about the ticking clock. And it goes from prophecy to prophecy to prophecy to prophecy. In fact, this year is almost unbelievable the prophecies that's been fulfilled in Israel that tell us that now it's beginning to be the time. Oh, I know you got some things. Some of you want to try collard greens before you go to heaven. And some of you want to try some poke salad before you go to heaven. And some of you got all the dreams. I'll tell you what, your dream won't mount nothing when we get there. Because it's going to be a grand place and a wonderful place to experience. Amen? So, in the process of our life, I've got to stay in step. Why don't you just uh, poke your neighbor and say, we've got to stay in step. Would you do that? Be real rude and say, we've got to stay in step spiritually. We've got to continue to move forward in the Lord. Now, the, the, the power of God is, is to be uh, real during this last day especially. Uh, and so the Holy Spirit becomes uh, the wonderful part of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, God the Father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven, sitting on the throne of God. But the Holy Spirit is here. And the Holy Spirit, everything good, I say this again, I repeat this again, everything good that's ever happened in your life, everything good that's going to happen, every good thought you've ever had, every answer of prayer that you've ever received, is all come by way of the Holy Spirit. And what we do, because so many of us have not invested our life to learn about the Holy Spirit, then we feel we're, we're almost trying to read a book without understanding the characters. But so it's why it's so important during this hour and during this uh, time that we come into a greater knowledge of the precious Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the third part, third person in the Godhead, but He's the one that's here. It's not a dove. It's not a fire. All of those are traits that represent Him, but He's a person. And the Holy Spirit is a person that's here to help us get ready for Jesus. Amen. So in the process of that, then we, we're talking about the three dimensions of the Holy Spirit. Because in our gaining, because I want to get, we want to be sure and take advantage of every area that the Holy Spirit offers us. One dimension is that the Holy Spirit is with us. That's what the Bible says, that term that, that the Holy Spirit is with us. Then it gives us the other term, that the Holy Spirit, once we accept Jesus and receive Jesus, the Holy Spirit becomes in us. And then we have the wonderful opportunity of the Holy Spirit coming upon us so the power of God can flow through us. Now, that third part we're going to talk about at a later time. So what I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about the indwelling Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the, the, you being, uh, uh, having the Holy Spirit 
in your life. Now, if you've accepted Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in there. Now, it's up to us that we learn, grow, make Him more welcome, give more parts of our life to Him. What we want to do, we want the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible offers us two areas here. It says, if you live in the Spirit, talking about if you live underneath this power, underneath this blessing, then God wants us to be able to walk in the Spirit. That means I'm to walk out. My life is walk out in the Spirit. Hey, Colin, what you got? What you got? I see that. Humans come, call them free, but when dogs come, we charge $100 a, a dog. <laughs> Yours is on credit. <laughs> ah, isn't that sweet? Love you guys. They just drove in from California, 20-something hours on the road, and they got here at 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're in church now. Isn't that a blessing? Man, wow. Wow. That's commitment to the Lord. So uh, we want to grow and learn about the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, so those dimensions, so those are kind of history of what we've already talked about. Now, we also can remember a little bit that there's warnings in association with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is so gentle, so wonderful, so kind, so tender, so sweet. I mean, the Holy Spirit is there. And Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is here telling us about Jesus. That's why... For you to learn about the Holy Spirit, you're going to have to become a student of the Lord. Because it's easy to learn about Jesus because the Holy Spirit is always talking to us and revealing Jesus to us. That's what he did. Jesus said he takes a mind and he shares it with you. So the Holy Spirit is in the process. But there's three warnings I have to be, have to be concerned about. The first warning is, is that I won't blaspheme the Holy Spirit. That, that means if I'm going to have the Holy Spirit living in my life, if I'm going to become uh, uh, more open to the Holy Spirit in my life, then I've got to learn not to be so judgmental. I believe that's the very first thing. The Bible says that blaspheming the Holy Spirit and contributing to the things that God is doing, calling it the devil. And we all have those rash judgments. And what we must do, we must begin to not... We've got to begin to back up judgment and use our judgment on ourselves. This is where the Lord, this is the one that I need to judge. That this is me. I I need to be concerned with where I am. And I need to be concerned with the life I'm living in. I need to be concerned with what I'm allowing in my life. And I need to be concerned. And I need to let you alone, really, what the Word of God says. need to leave you to the Lord. So in the process, we don't want to blaspheme. The next thing we don't do, we don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. That means sadden the Holy Spirit. And that's in the areas of my walking. Uh, And uh, Ephesians chapter 4 just is so beautiful because it goes into such detail what it's talking about when it's talking about grieving the Holy Spirit. And it all comes down to this. Things I say, things I think, and things I do. 
If I'm doing things in my life that I know is displeasing to the Lord, then that's grieving the Holy Spirit. If I'm saying things in my life that I know that's not right, then I'm grieving the Holy Spirit. And then if I'm doing things, that's why the book of Ephesians, it lists out these huge lists of things. They said, please don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the wonderful gentleman, it's like that nurturing part of God. It's loving and sweet. And when I begin to walk and do things that I know that displeases him, it begins to sadden him. What we must have during this last day, we've got to have more. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to fill up more of our life. Now, in the third area is I don't quench it. And that's, that's what, when God is wanting to do some things through my life, when the Lord is wanting to give me some gifts and, and God's calling me. Maybe many of you, Grady, we talked about one of your callings just last week. Whatever the Lord's calling, you don't want to quench that. You want to yield to that. Whatever the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about, you want to say yes. Now, what do you say to the Holy Spirit? Yes. yes. You say yes. You answer yes. What the Holy Spirit says, I want to use you to touch so-and-so. You say, yes, Lord, just empower me and help me. And they, uh, God, Holy Spirit say, I want to use you to do this, to do that. You've got to say yes. So we don't quench, we don't stop the Holy Spirit. We understand that the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. Now, I know you think that's you. You think you know it all. But, honey, I'm here to tell you, you don't know it all or you wouldn't have me as a pastor. So, so in the process of it, then the Holy Spirit knows everything about everything. So it's that indwelling. Everybody say indwelling. I just like to the indwelling presence of God. That's what it is, that second dimension that God offers me is that indwelling presence. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, it says this way. Do you not know that you're the temple? It says, do you not know that you're the temple of God? It's talking like I don't know that. It's what it's what it's relating to. God said, don't you know it? Don't you understand it? Why are you, why are you dirtying my temple? Why are you profaning my temple? Do you not, do you know that the, that the, that the biggest thing that the enemy desires to do in people's lives is to profane the temple of God? That's what it was in the Old Testament and the New Testament comes down to our life. What that means is the enemy loves to make you unfit. You understand? The, the enemy loves to make you unclean. And that's why God says here, don't you know, don't you understand that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? Can't you understand that? Doesn't it bring a sense of awe to you? Doesn't it bring a sense of reverence to you? The reverential fear of God to know that I, God lives in here. If I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, the Holy Spirit indwells me. Now, the Chapter 6 of that same book, it says, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? So God says, your body. And somebody says, well, it's my body. I'll do what I want to. You know, I just, I, I hate that statement. <laughs> and because I want to turn around and say, well, you do it. You know, when you, when you get sick and when you need a miracle from God, you remember that. You're you. Because... Because it's not yours. It belongs to God. Everything about you, once you come to Jesus, everything about you belongs to Jesus. It's no longer your body. It's not your eyes. not your mouth. not your thoughts. It's not your speech. It's not your thinking. It's not, all of that belongs to Jesus. 
And so Jesus comes into our, or the Holy Spirit comes to renovate us. Oh, I know you think you're so special and God picked you out because you was perfect, but that's not why God picked you out. God picked you out because you wasn't perfect, but he knew that he could work in you. So in the, so what we do, right, and then for Ezekiel chapter 36, it says it this way, verse 27, I will put my spirit within you in the prophecy concerning this day that we're living in. God said, I will put my spirit within you and I'll cause you. Notice that word cause. I love that word. I, I, I don't like it when God leaves it all up to me to make the decision. But I love that word cause because there's a few places in the Bible. And it said, I will put my Holy Spirit in you and I will cause you to walk in my ways. Some of you are wondering how come you're having such a rough time. It could be because God's trying to cause you to walk in his ways. Do you understand? And so it becomes a real tussle. I don't know where I'm getting all my words this morning. I backed up about 50 years, but 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 in in the process I'll go with it. <laughs> uh, in in the process it becomes a real struggle inside our life. And, and some people they come and say, Jerry, I don't know why I'm I'm so miserable. I'll tell you why you're miserable. God didn't create you miserable. God doesn't want you miserable. What's going on? There's a battle going on inside you, and the Holy Spirit is working in you, causing you. To obey Him. And you're resisting it. Amen. All right. The Bible says that it becomes that change that God's miraculously working. It comes by virtue of the power of the Holy Spirit. So the indwelling presence or the indwelling presence of God. We're talking about the Holy Spirit in you. Now, it's, it does multitudes of things. I mean, it's probably in the category of hundreds of hundreds, hundreds that the Holy Spirit does in you. But I want to just quickly mention these. One first thing he does, he causes you to hunger for God. That's what he does. When he comes into your life, he develops a hunger. He wants to make you fat on Jesus. And so he develops this hunger for God in you. And see, some of you, you stifled it. You've done the very thing the Bible says don't do. Don't quench it. Don't stifle it. Don't stop it. Don't stifle it. What's it? It's, it's the picture of, of, of a, a choking out. And some of you have done that. And you can do that. You can just choke out what God's wanting to do in your life. And you can, you can stifle it. And certainly, and you can eventually quench it. And you can even stop it. But, but God said, don't do that. Man, don't do that. That hunger that God... But if you can remember a time that you hungered more from God, that tells you what you've done with that hunger. If you can remember a time in your life that when you came to Jesus or a time that you hungered, then that tells you what you have done. You have strangled it to some degree out of your life. And that's exactly what God didn't want you to do. Next thing he does, he builds an intimacy. Some people say, you know, I'm, I'm just so, I feel so far away from God. How do you feel far away from God? With the Holy Spirit in you, how do you do that? You're yielding to God. God's talking to you. You're talking to God. So how do you feel far away? The only way that happens, I'm trying to, I'm trying to stop. I'm fighting against what God's doing. Because the Holy Spirit is always building us, making us into a much deeper, richer, more wonderful relationship with Jesus. 
And so the truth of the matter is, if I'm not, if there's times in my life that I can remember, man, that I was strong, then that tells you that I'm trying to stop it. There is a tussle. Somebody say that loud. There's a tussle. Now, the, you know what tussle is? And you guys know what a tussle is? Y'all know what a tussle is? Y'all think I'm saying tassel, right? Like graduation tassel? Uh, no, a tussle, a battle, a struggle. That, that's one of those, uh, oh, those are one of those hit words. Y'all not quite young enough to understand it yet. Yeah. But in the process of, there's a struggle. And, and when you're struggling against the Holy Spirit in your life, what's going to happen is you can win it, honey. You can win it. Because the Holy Spirit is the ultimate gentleman. The Holy Spirit. That's why the words that surround the Holy Spirit are words like, I'll lead you. I'll guide you. He's not there to make you. He's there to lead you. So each one of us in our life... Stephen, let me give you this. This thing's making all kind of weird sounds. I'm afraid it's going to explode, so you sit on it. <laughs> oh, but there's this struggle going on, man. If there's a struggle going on, I mean, your relationship with Jesus should be much more richer, much more beautiful, much more precious, praise God. And the third mighty thing that he's done, he's revealing Jesus. Man, you should be looking more like Jesus than you did yesterday. I should be too. I mean, it's a constant work that the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us. He's trying to make you. That's why that you're having that issue. Somebody said, I don't like to feel guilty. Well, most of the time, it's not guilt that we feel. It's conviction. And the Holy Spirit begins to point out things in your life, trying to get our lives to be conformed to where we look more like Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you what, the world doesn't care about you, but they will care about Jesus. And you're here not to prove your way in life. You're here to prove that Jesus is still alive. So what that means is this. The more you look like Jesus, the more you act like Jesus, the more you talk like Jesus the more the world will know about Jesus. Amen? So, in the process, the Holy Spirit is trying to be. So, we are the temple of God. I mean, man, the Holy Spirit is in us, and we're that temple of the precious Holy Spirit. Now, let me quickly mention something. I've got to get working toward a close here some way. Uh, But in the process of it, there is a concept in the Word of God that God has given to us whereby that indwelling presence of God can have its way in my life. And it's called the fear of God. Now, eventually, when we say fear for God, not give us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and sound mind, that's an afraid spirit. God didn't come to give you an afraid spirit, but He came to give you a spirit of fear, of reverence toward God. Now, I'm going to tell you, if your life is not developing and growing in a reverential fear of God, something's bad wrong with you. I'm serious, that something needs to be fixed because God gives into our life. In fact, the fear of God is not just an Old Testament concept and it's not just a New Testament concept and it's not just a future because fear of God, the reverential fear of God was in the life. It was was the major fear theology in the Old Testament is the major theology of the New Testament and it's the major theology of our future home. 
God never wants you to lose the reverential fear of God. Now, now, what, what is it? It's, it's the walk in the fear of God. It's the daily walk in, in recognition of the, who He is and what He is. Uh, the fear of the Lord is, is something you, uh, a married person, let me see, I've got just a few minutes, so I'm trying to pull out and decide what part to use here. But a married person understands fear and love. They understand that because the person that you love, you also fear that you will hurt them. You fear to disappoint them. The person that you deeply love, you're concerned about what you would say that would disappoint them. You're concerned about trying to plan a future without them. And so if, so if you're married here today, you should have an understanding of fear and love because they work side by side. Fear is not that I'm afraid that God's going to hurt me. Fear of the Lord is I'm afraid to do anything in my life without God. Amen. That's the same development. The reverential fear is like a father and a son. When everyone, everyone wants that obedient child, that, that loving, caring child, that, that's not afraid of their daddy, but is always concerned and never wanting to disappoint their father. And that's where it is when we're talking about the reverential fear of God. And that uh, fear of the Lord that God it is such a major concept in the Bible. It's what God gives us to be able to become an invitation to the Holy Spirit to greater fill my life. If you're not working toward the fear of God in your life, if you're not de de uh, developing that up in your life, let me say, your life is going to be a disappointing life for you. Because if you want greater measures of God, the goodness of God, the greatness of God, and the power of God, and the preciousness of the Lord, it's going to come through your reverential fear. It prepares the temple. It prepares the life for God. It prepares this as, as I have reverential fear toward God. It's a huge invitation. It's like one of those planes when you're down on the coast and, and they're pulling that huge sign behind them, you know, and that, that plane is pulling that says, you can eat at Joe's, you know, it won't cost you but $4,500 and you can get a meal. But that's what it is. It's a huge invitation that comes out of your life and it says to God, I want you, I want you enough to care what matters to you. I'm preparing my temple to be a holy temple because you're a holy God before me. Amen. So it becomes that, that sense. And in fact, the fear of the Lord is so powerful. Uh, you know, the book of Acts is so wonderful. That's really where the Lord dealt with us to in this season of our life. Because it's so powerful because there's this principle of the fear of God that, that worked through it. It's in Acts chapter 2. It's in Acts chapter 4. It's in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 19. I mean, throughout the book of Acts, it said that they walked in the fear of God and wrought miracles among them. There's something that God, God hangs around people that cares about the way they talk, the way they act, and the way they think. God hangs around people that's creating that temple for Him. 
Praise the Lord. In fact, what God speaks to us in our whole life is this. Psalms 139 says it. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. Can you hear that? Test me. See, some of, some of you don't realize you're going through tests right now. I mean, there's things that we allow in our life, and it's really just a test. I mean, God's testing you. God's testing me. God, and that's why he says, test me and know my thoughts, God. Test me if I'm thinking the right thing. Lord, test me if I'm talking right, Lord. Lord, test me. Test me if I'm acting right and I'm treating people right, God. Test me. Test me, oh God. And then it closes up with the next verse. It says, point out anything in me that offends you. That is the heart of a person that fears God. Lord, point out anything in me that offends you. Because, Lord, that's my heart. I want to please you. Let me... Well, it's time to go. What is the fear? Not being scared or afraid, but it's been reverential. Reverence in Him. I love you, God. And I desire praise. It's never the fear of a frightened child who runs from his parents. But it's the frightened child who runs to his parents for understanding and protection. That's what God offers us. It's the carefulness in my life to not hurt, to not disappoint, or not sadden God's heart. It's the watchfulness that I will place in my life of the things I think, the words I say, and the things I do. The fear of the Lord is my willingness to care about Him over every word, over every thought. But the wonderful thing it is, God gives us these wonderful, powerful tools to help me get the fear of God in my life. And each tool that God places in my hand. Some people say, I don't understand spiritual warfare. How could you not understand spiritual warfare? Somebody says, I don't understand what being a warrior is. How could you not? Because, see, God makes us warriors and My biggest battle is not with you. My biggest battle is surrendering me to God. <laughs> if I have the fear of the Lord, I learn how to be a soldier. I learn how to be a warrior. Because to destroy my flesh that fights against God, There's something in me that doesn't want to invite Him in me. And so the battle rages. 
The strongest soldiers don't learn to fight away. They learn to fight in you first. And then as God makes you a soldier, how to destroy that. That's trying to profane God's temple. I mean, it's just the same as it was in the Old Testament when the enemy would come to profane God's temple and God's men would stand there and, and they would say, we will not allow this! We will not allow this! We will not allow this! And they would stand as strong soldiers to destroy, to fight, to knock down whatever they could so that God's temple wouldn't be profaned. And then we say, what's a spiritual warrior? So God gives us these marvelous weapons and for me to be able to fight me. Before God ever calls me to fight for you, He calls me to fight me. So we'll stop and maybe next week we'll get to the weaponry. How many of you know right here there's parts of you that's got to be destroyed? There's parts of you that must be overcome if you're going to be the vessel that will house the presence of God. And then others of us have to enlist, man. I mean, it's like the little guy that goes down to the recruiting station and signs up and and he says, well, where do I send my hammock and, and where do I send my... Uh... And he forgets that the next day he has to show up and the next day, every moment of that day belongs to somebody else. So it's signing up to care, to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to pinpoint thoughts, to be able to pinpoint words, and attitudes and actions and the way that we would treat others or even deeper that way we would think about others really we, we say God I've just got to be overhauled i just got to be overhauled by you I don't know this may not but if this if this if this speaking you say that's me and I must be overhauled. Now, I must have God clean my life. If that's you, won't you just quickly stand right where you're seated, seated with your day? If that's you, I, I must have it. I must have it. I must have it. And it always starts with an invitation. The Holy Spirit is such a wonderful gentleman. It will always start with an invitation. I hope it doesn't start in a warfare with you, you know. Because in the midst of battle, it's hard to get things working right with God. And I mean, if you hadn't, if you hadn't got control of your words, and all of a sudden you're in a battle for your life and life and death, and you know that your words are destroying you, it's hard at that point to get control. It's hard. So what God does is. God's constantly dealing with me over the now that's preparing me for the tomorrow. So what God is asking me to yield now 
It's getting me ready for something I'm going to face tomorrow that I better be trained and ready to go for Him. Let's, let's take our surrender to the Lord now. The little sign of surrender is this. It's, it's the biblical sign of surrender. It's, it's, it's when you take your palms. It's not this. It's praise. But this is a surrender. And I want you to whatever it means to you, either take a moment in your heart to say it or take your little pause and lift them up toward the Lord and say, God, I surrender, Lord. Lord, I surrender my thoughts to you. Lord, what am I thinking that I know I shouldn't be thinking? Lord, what am I looking at that I know that I should not be looking at, God? Lord, what am I saying? Lord, I surrender my words to you, Lord. Lord, that you can work in me and cause words of life to come forth, Lord. Because the Bible says, Lord, I have the choice. I can choose life words. I can choose death words. I can choose ugly words. I can choose sweet words. I can choose words that defeat. Or I can choose words, Lord. I surrender my words to you, Lord. And, Lord, I surrender my actions to you. When I haven't acted right, walked right, done right, Lord, I surrender to you. I surrender to you, Lord. Lord, I surrender to you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now let me ask on top of that. Out of this group that stood and out of the group that surrendered to the Lord. Now, what you've just done, you have just invited the Holy Spirit. I was outside this morning. I thought it was just a few people outside. When I gave a similar altar call out there, I said, I want you to get out of your cars. I want you, if you surrendering to the Lord, I could not believe how many people were crawling out of cars to get to surrender to the Lord. But what you're doing, you're giving the Holy Spirit a right now to work with you. And you're giving the Holy Spirit a right to deal with you. And you're giving the Holy Spirit a right now. You've just said, I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to God. Now, out of this group that stood, there's some here today that need to, you need to make a vocal expression of, your, of the forgiveness of the Lord. Through words or something that has possibly hurt others, and and it's just it's just real important. It, sometimes it's important that I confess my faults by coming and standing. If you're here today and, and and the Lord has been convicting you, and you know that you need forgiveness along with surrender, if you need forgiveness, I want you to just slip out and come right here with me very quickly. Would you do that? If you need the forgiveness of the Lord. If you need forgiveness, I want you to come on. If God is deal, dealing with you, not only do you need surrender, but, but you got to start. you got to get the slate clean first. You've got to get the slate clean, so come on quick, quickly. You need to get that slate clean.
Oh, yes, Lord. Because, see, one of the greatest one of the greatest tools God gives us to develop the fear of God is the blood of Jesus. <laughs> That's the greatest tool. And me learning to be efficient or, or proficient in the blood of Jesus can mean my whole life. It can mean my whole future. Does anyone else want to join these? We just wait just a quick minute. Anyone else that, that you need not only surrender, but you need forgiveness. So come on. Come on. If there, there is, then you come on right here. If you need the forgiveness of the Lord, if you, come on. Sometimes it's just good that I I confess it before God and everybody. You know, so it's just good that I just do that. that I clean it out. I, I wash it out. I clean that slate out. Oh, I just clean it out. Praise God. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Now, if I'm going to develop the fear of God right, I must become real proficient on using the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus says, if I will confess it to Him, that He will forgive it. And He will cleanse it. He'll make the slate clean. Give me a new start. (laughs) Let me try it again. So, right now, just go ahead, right in your heart, and use that blood. Just say, Lord... I don't have confidence in me, but I have confidence in your blood. And I ask your forgiveness, Lord. And I'm not going to beg because you, you died, so I wouldn't have to beg, Lord. You, I just receive it by faith. Your forgiveness and your cleansing, Lord. I thank you for washing it out of me, Lord. For washing me, washing me, washing me, washing me, washing me. Thank you for washing me, Lord. Thank you for washing me. Now, the proficiency of using the blood of Jesus is that we're going to never let that come up again. What's, what's under the blood's under the blood, and it stays under the blood. So, just don't let the devil ever bring it up to your mind again. What God forgives is gone. So, never let the devil bring it up in your mind again. Praise God. Stephen, let's, let's, this is our closing prayer as we sing this with Stephen. God bless you. Love Jesus. you with all that I have. To give to you all that I am. To love you with all that I to you all that I am and oh I love you and bow down before you now and God
I worship before. 